no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Today, Terrence Bradley failed to deliver on the stand for Trump and his allies in Fulton County. The Senate Republicans are poised to block an IVF protection bill. An anti-trans ballot measure has died in Arizona. Mike Johnson met with Mitch McConnell, President Biden, and Vice President Kamala Harris to discuss funding the government and Ukraine. And Janet Yellen urges world leaders to unlock frozen Russian central bank assets and send them to Ukraine. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Goldberg. 
Hello, my friend. Happy Wednesday. Is it Wednesday already? Wow. Yeah, I know. Wednesday already. And thank you. Hope you're having a great week so far. So far, so good. I said that like we haven't seen each other every day. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been, Allison? It's been a really long time. So much has happened. And actually, bizarre. a lot of news. But (laughs) every time I see you, a lot has happened in the news. So maybe that's why it seems like it's been a while. But yeah, no, just a day. And maybe the Supreme Court will drop their immunity stay decision today. That would be nice. Just to, you know, putting it out there. I'm going on vacation. There you go. You know, that's how important things happen. And remember, the longer it takes, the the better for us, the worse for Trump. Just not too long. Hopefully we'll get something today. I'm just like, come on. Come on, man, as uh, President Joe Biden would say. And speaking of the president, he met with the vice president and Mitch McConnell and Mike Johnson at the White House today. And they all basically just said, Mike Johnson, quit being a dick bag. Um, <laughs> we, need to, we need to fund the government. And, and Mike Johnson said, we're going to fund the government. No problem. But they're like, also, we really need to fund Ukraine. Yeah, but the border thing. Yeah, well, we tried the border thing and you said no. So they all just sort of ganged up on him. Mitch McConnell was like, would you please just do the right thing? And, uh, you know, President Biden was probably just eating some ice cream and being like, stop with the malarkey. And uh, BP Kamala Harris is probably doing her badass, you know, being her badass, you know, Madame Vice President self that she usually Mm -hmm. is. I'm like, she must, but those three guys in the room are probably like, gonna be fucking kidding me other than Joe. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. My God. So maybe we'll see some movement. Yeah. Um, just a happy note. If you all get a chance, look up Joe Biden's interview on Seth Meyers. Allison mm-hmm. had tweeted a couple of clips. It's really just fantastic. And it it just, I don't know. It, I just love, I really love the guy. I love his sense of humor. And it, I, it's a fantastic interview. Yeah, it was great. Um, very, just, I, I mean, he, he asked him some tough questions too. Like, what about, you know, people thinking you're old? He's like, it's classified. Yep. Um, <laughs> but know, his response was pretty classic because he was like, okay, I'm j- the other guy's old too. And at least I know my wife's name. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it was so go good. It, Joe. it was good. And then, you know, he's, but he's actually been, they've been working on a ceasefire. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully that will be in effect, he says, by the end of the weekend, maybe Monday, which is good news. Uh, ceasefire, good news. Uh, they would need to get the hostages out and all that stuff. So, uh, and maybe we can get Ukraine funded and, and we can get the humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip. So uh, anyway, we will see what ends up happening. But uh, I think it's hopefully going to be a good week. And uh, again, we need that Supreme Court ruling so we can get the January 6th trial underway. God damn it. Sure let's do. it happen. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from CNN. This hearing is about evidence Terrence Bradley might have had and for the defense teams that called him to the stand. And he did not deliver. That's the opening line from CNN. Uh, Now, a lot of folks had speculated, myself included, that the judge was trying to do two things here, right? They had this in-camera meeting and the judge decided that there really isn't, uh, over a lot of these questions, attorney-client privilege between Nathan Wade and Terrence Bradley. And Bradley will have to get on the stand. And we all were like, well, that's one of two reasons. Either he's got inculpatory evidence, bad, you know, bad news evidence for Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade, or the judge is basically making him get off on the stand and said, 
Yeah, I lied. I don't know when their relationship started. It was the latter. Quote, he'd made some comments to you all along the way that led you to believe he had more knowledge than, than today he's testifying that he had. That's what Judge Scott McAfee said bluntly to defense attorney Ashley Merchant on Tuesday afternoon. That's Mike Roman's lawyer. Merchant and other defense lawyers in the Georgia election subversion case have been trying to stand up with days of evidence and witness testimony, allegations that DA Fonnie Willis and the lead prosecutor Nathan Wade uh, began an ethically dubious relationship earlier than they've said, than they've testified to court. So it wasn't even really about if they had a relationship, right? Because yeah. everyone's like, who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. It was that Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade signed a sworn affidavit to the court that said that their relationship didn't begin until late 2021. So both have testified that that's when it started, uh, DA Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade. Now, Bradley, a hesitant witness, also known as a hostile witness, was finally forced on Tuesday to speak about the years of 2015 to 2022 when he was Wade's law partner and divorce attorney. Now, Bradley had chatted with Merchant over text in recent months. So this guy was texting with Mike Roman's lawyer, Merchant, uh, over text about the Wade-Willis relationship starting earlier than that. Now, Merchant recounted in court that she had texted Bradley, do you think it started before she hired him? And you said, absolutely. And and then said, do you recall me asking how they would react? Would they attack me? And you told me they would deny it. Now, to that, Bradley testified repeatedly he was speculating. It was basically based on gossip, okay? He had no personal knowledge. And that's what you have to have if you're going to be a test, you know, a witness. The defense lawyers, one after another in court, grew frustrated and confirmed with Bradley he had no direct conversations with Wade or proof of the prosecutor's relationship beginning more than two years ago. Quote, I never witnessed anything, he said under oath. I do not have knowledge of it starting or when it started. He said he remembers only one conversation at a time he can't recall that Wade told him he was dating Willis, but he doesn't know when that was. Now, again, I had assumed Judge McAfee wanted to get his testimony to put this whole thing to bed. It seems like that's the case. I imagine Judge McAfee will not remove D.A. Fonnie Willis from this case. Uh, and it, it was just an embarrassing day in court for Trump and his allies. Good. I like when he has embarrassing days. All right. This story is from Politico. Senate conservatives are signaling they'll block Wednesday's planned Democratic bid to enshrine protections for in vitro fertilization, IVF, into federal law. And they're calling IVF a state's rights issue. Senator Tammy Duckworth is planning to seek unanimous consent to pass a proposal to federally protect IVF, which means any one senator can easily block its passage. This isn't the first time she's brought up the bill. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, a horrible human being, Republican from Mississippi, objected when Duckworth tried to pass it unanimously in 2022. But Duckworth's bill is surging back to the forefront, obviously, as Republicans face uncomfortable questions about an Alabama Supreme Court ruling we've been covering restricting IVF. Hyde Smith's office did not respond when asked if she would object again to Duckworth's bill, and the GOP senator ignored Capitol hallway questions from reporters, as is her usual practice. Uh, The Republicans are already expressing reservations about the bill, though meaning its chances at slipping through the chamber are slim at best. And I quote, I don't see any need to regulate it at federal level. It's from Senator Roger Marshall, who's a Republican in Kansas, an OBGYN by trade, who would not say whether he'd block the bill, by the way. Interesting. He said, I think the Dobbs decision puts this issue back at the state level. I would encourage your state legislations 
to protect in vitro fertilization. Another quote, it's idiotic for us to take the bait. That's from J.D. Vance, who I despise, who clarified he was referring not to Duckworth's bill on its face, but the Democrats' attempts to use the proposal as an IVF messaging tool. Vance said he's not yet reviewed the actual bill. A mm-hmm. messaging tool? Trying to protect IVF mm-hmm. from y'all. I know. I know. Regardless, Republicans' hesitation over the IVF protection bill highlights their election year jam. And I, this is what it is. Democrats will continue trying to tie them to the Alabama ruling, which has shut down IVF facilities in the state. GOP statement supporting IVF, as the Senate Republican campaign arm and several candidates put out last week, might fall flat with voters if Democrats can point to specific instances when their opponents fail to protect the procedure. Exhibit A, Speaker Mike Johnson, who recently issued a statement supporting IVF, but has previously supported legislation that could restrict access to the fertility tech. Plus, some GOP lawmakers will have a hard time insisting that states should enforce IVF protections, given their previous pushes for a federal abortion ban. That includes Lindsey Graham, who spoke to reporters in defense of IVF on Wednesday, quipping that, quote, nobody's ever been born in the freezer. Interesting (laughs) statement. What? Graham has not yet said whether he'll object to Duckworth's bill. Quote, the Dobbs decision said that abortion is not part of the Constitution. And they said, we're sending the issue back to the states. And I think that's where it belongs. That's John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana. And Kennedy added, I believe that the people of Alabama, either themselves or through their legislature, will get something worked out that they're comfortable with. But I do support fertility technology. That's what, like I said, kind of support it in this bill. Right. I know. It's ridiculous. Now, some exceptions, of course, not all Republican senators believe IVF protection is a matter for the states. It's no surprise. Of course, Susan Collins was very upset. I think she's going to write an email to someone, maybe not send it just to herself. One of the few Republicans who supports abortion access. I'm happy about that. Uh, She did support the idea of a federally protected IVF. She supports abortion access, but she voted for Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, she thought Kavanaugh learned his lesson. All right, this is Collins, and I quote, my hope is that either Alabama is going to fix this very promptly or we pass federal legislation. And she added she's completely open to federal protections. It's not yet clear if Senate Democratic leadership will schedule the IVF bill for the floor vote or if the unanimous passage attempt fails on Wednesday. Uh, Senator Majority Whip Dick Durbin, the Democrat from Illinois, on Tuesday told inside Congress he wants Duckworth to have, and I quote, every opportunity to ensure her bill becomes law. Yeah. And this is a great time to bring it up again. And I love that she brought it up in 2022 because they can't be like, oh, you're just bringing it up because of what happened in Alabama. It's like, no, I've been trying to get this done for a while. And y'all still rejected it. So Mm -hmm. now this thing happens in Alabama. The dog catches the car. Republicans are like, no, no, no. We love IVF. We love babies. We love having, we love it. We love it. We'll vote for the bill that protects it. No, Mm -hmm. no, can't. mm. (laughs) Come on. Give me a fucking break. All right. Next up from Fatima Hussein at the Associated Press. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Tuesday offered her strongest public support yet for the idea of liquidating roughly $300 billion in frozen Russian central bank assets and using them for Ukraine's long-term reconstruction. Quote, it is necessary and urgent for our coalition to find a way to unlock the value of these immobilized assets to support Ukraine's continued resistance and long-term reconstruction. 
That's what Yellen said in remarks in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where a group of 20 finance ministers and central bank governors are meeting this week. And notice she didn't say to support long-term reconstruction Mm -hmm. only. She said to support Ukraine's continued resistance and long-term reconstruction. Before, they were only really sort of talking behind closed doors about unfreezing these assets to help rebuild Ukraine. Now she's saying it publicly and she's including to support Ukraine's resistance. And I, I love that. Quote, I believe there's a strong international law, economic and moral case for moving forward. This would greatly be, uh, this would be a decisive response to Russia's unprecedented threat to global stability. That's uh, Janet Yellen. The United States and its allies froze hundreds of billions of dollars in Russian foreign holdings in retaliation for Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. Those billions have been sitting untapped as the war grinds on, now in its third year. Supposed to be three days? It's in its third year. While officials from multiple countries have debated the legality of sending the money to Ukraine, more than two-thirds of Russia's immobilized central bank funds are located in the EU. Using the assets to help Ukraine, quote, would make clear that Russia cannot win by prolonging the war and would incentivize it to come to the table to negotiate a just peace with Ukraine, meaning not you can have big chunks of it, right? The just (laughs) peace is get the fuck out and leave us alone. That's what Janet Yellen said. The idea of using Russian frozen assets has gained traction lately as continued allied funding for Ukraine becomes more uncertain because of us, ladies and gentlemen, because of the United States and Mike Johnson and his sniveling little weasel fucking face. But there are trade-offs since the weaponization of global finance could harm the U.S. dollar. But Janet Yellen said, yeah, no, not really. She, she says it's extremely unlikely that tapping the frozen funds would harm the dollar's standing, especially given the u- uniqueness of the situation where Russia is brazenly violating international norms. Realistically, there are not alternatives to the dollar, euro, and yen. That's what Yellen said. Thank you so much, AG. Last in this section, this is from Aaron in the Morning, Substack. In a stunning defeat for anti-trans activists in Arizona, and I'm happy to report this story, a major bill targeting transgender people in schools has failed. Mm-hmm. The bill, Senate Concurrent Resolution 1013, would have banned transgender students from using bathrooms matching their gender identity. It also would have forced teachers to misgender their transgender students unless parental permission was received. Most importantly, the bill would have placed the issues on the November ballot, bypassing Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs's veto, which has been used against similar legislation. This represents the first major ballot referendum on transgender people that has been defeated in 2024. And I sure hope it's the beginning of more. This really could signal Republican hesitancy around the electoral impacts of all of these referendums. Mm. Now, the bill was brought forward by Senator John Kavanaugh, I really don't think, it seems that there's a really bad (laughs) right now record for Kavanaugh's, (laughs) who had previously sponsored other legislation targeting transgender people in schools. Kavanaugh's district includes portions of Scottsdale, Arizona, which is notably the same city where the Alliance Defending Freedom, the ADF, is headquartered. The ADF has been intricately involved in drafting and defending anti-trans law across the United States this year and has backed Chloe Cole, who was leading a similar referendum effort in California, of all places. In the Senate Education Committee earlier this month, over 500 people registered opposition to the bill and only 32 registered in favor, one of the most lopsided testimony ratios in any bill this year nationwide. 
Speaking against the bill in the hearing, Democratic Senator Marsh pointed out the negative consequences that hearing such a bill would have, stating, and I quote, this will become a debate on a, on a statewide level harming God knows how many kids and forcing them into further isolation, harassment, bullying, victimization, and vulnerability that comes. I think the effect that would be is incalculable. Thank you so much, Senator Marsh. Mm. Now, when time came for a committee decision, Republican Senator Ken Bennett voted in favor of the bill, but stated he w- uh, had concerns with the way the bill was written and that would have trouble supporting it for final passage in the Senate. Then on Monday, the bill was brought forward for a final vote on the full Senate floor. Democratic senators read statements from parents and trans youth who would be impacted by the bill as the votes rolled in. Then Republican Senator Bennett voted no, explaining his vote, and I quote, I'm very concerned about putting this bill to a vote of the people. These bills combined are roughly a third of the entire U.S. Constitution. When we put things on the ballot for people to vote on them, if something goes awry, if there are unintended consequences, we have to go back to the people to fix it. Hmm. Really powerful statement. The defeat means that in Arizona, the question will not advance to the November ballot, which is wonderful. However, in other states, ballot measures are currently being pursued. Like I said, in California, the group for Protect Kids California has enlisted high-profile anti-trans activists like Chloe Cole and Chris Elston to collect signatures, measures that would out transgender students to their parents, ban them from participating in sports and using bathrooms that match their gender identity, and it would also ban gender-affirming care for trans youth. Similar ballot measures, unfortunately, are also being pursued in Colorado. Nevertheless, with the defeat of SCR 1013, what we're just covering in the story, there may be hesitancy to push for this as a major ballot issue in 2024 in a swing state like Arizona. Oh, wait, you know what I love? Hmm. A swing state like Arizona. Yep. No longer red. (laughs) No longer red. Anti-LGBTQ legislation is not highly popular, no matter what people think. The minority is just really fucking loud, unfortunately, especially in general election uh, contests. In in most recent school board elections in 2023, we know that Moms for Liberty lost 70% of their school board elections having run primarily on anti-trans issues in the schools. Meanwhile, Democrats took the House and the Senate in Virginia after Governor Glenn Youngkin, also a really bad transphobe, pushed a party platform at rallies that targeted trans youth throughout the state. Anti-trans politics have also previously failed to help Republicans in Arizona. In the 2022 governor's race, Republicans attempted to target Governor Katie Hobbs' husband for providing counseling for trans youth in the closing weeks of the campaign, a gambit that failed to swing results in their favor. And that is certainly what Guy Esposito, who's a partner of Creosote Partners, who has worked with major organizations supporting transgender people in the state, believes. When asked what the bill's defeat says in an election year, she responded, quote, we're also starting to see that Republicans recognize that anti-trans hatred and pure bigotry, it's not a big winner for them. It's not like you've seen time and time again, including here in Arizona, This just doesn't play well with the voters. It doesn't sit well with people. Esposito added a hopeful message. The fact that we didn't see the full force of their network trying to squeeze them to get this on the ballot shows that they know it too. That they, in an election year, here in Arizona, where so much is critical for them, this went down in flames. 
And I think that shows the tide is turning in our favor. I tell you what, this good news story for me and a lot of trans and non-binary folks around the country, I know it is a small win, but if this actually dies in Arizona, people are going to take note. Yeah, it did in Virginia. Uh, it's dead in Arizona. And it will continue. That will continue. I, 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 have, I have full faith. I do too. It's a losing fucking... Bigotry is a losing... Uh, what, did you ever in your life think that we would have to tell people that bigotry is a losing issue in an election? I mean, sure Jesus didn't. fucking Christ. I like, know. guys, taking rights away from people and hating people, that doesn't win elections. It just doesn't. No. Right. And this generation, Gen Z, one third more likely to identify as LGBTQ than they are to identify as Republican. Mm. That's a, that's huge. Mm. And what that means, I'll tell you what that means also, there's a lot of Republican families out there that they are starting to have trans and non-binary kids. And thank God, you know, like I said, the minority is really loud, but there are some hearts and minds changing on the other side too. I know it. I know it. And the kids are leading this fight. Yeah. Yeah. This was the, what Obama was asked in 2016, what kept him hopeful is he's like the young people. They're going to wash over this country like a wave of hope. I mean, boomers, 3% identify as LGBTQ, Gen X, 6%, millennials, 10%, Gen Z, 25 to 33%. It's an incredible sea change. And it's going to make all the difference in politics, commerce, business, like everything is going to be different. And I'm, I'm so excited. And it's already happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. We have a lot of good news that we have to get to, but we have to take a quick break. So everyone, stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. The issues of the day are really complicated. Everybody loves a good hot take, but really understanding an issue takes some digging. I'm Asha Rangappa. I teach national security law at Yale University. I'm a former FBI special agent, and I'm a legal and national security analyst. And I'm Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And we're here to help you understand topics that can't be boiled down to a soundbite or a tweet. Join us each week as we dig deep into pressing legal topics. Listen to It's Complicated anywhere you get your podcasts and check out our YouTube channel. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news.
good news. Good and if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the mutt, what the hell is in that shell, what's the model of your oxalotl, opine on the bovine, what the heck quine, cat me if you can, what the fark is in your ark, any animal you want to send to us, we'll guess what color it is. That's probably our best thing uh, to do to be able to win that game. Send it to us. If you have pod pet tax, you can send that to us. If you don't have a pod pet, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area. We'll try to get that little baby a forever home. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see what else. We have shout outs to small businesses, self shout outs, shout outs to loved ones. A shit kids say. Let's bring that back. Shit you say. Like I said some really dumb shit this week. It's funny. Talk, <laughs> talk, we want to hear that. We want to hear your uh, good uh, good news stories about uh, VA healthcare and your student debt relief stories. If you have a really great uh, or not so great, just weird or very long or confusing thesis or dissertation title, we want to hear that too. Will be stories, blanky stories, um, what uh, frog orgies, baby pictures, anything. Just anything. Send it to us. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Uh, also, Dana, there are nine, yes. nine tickets left. In oh, you're amazing. At Natalie's Music Hall. There's a group of three together. There's two single bar stool seats that are available. And then two pairs of table tickets that you can sit with a person at a table. Anyway, I'm very excited to come to Columbus. And I know that you've got your uh, birthday show and then your ski lodge show. What is that, March 8th? Yep, we're going to switch that around. March 8th is the ski lodge show, and that's in Bend, Oregon. And my birthday show that I'll be doing is in a beautiful Sunshine Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So if you're anywhere near Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale, take a drive in. Celebrate my birthday with me. You can buy me a drink over Venmo. What what <laughs> date is that? April 12th. April 12th. That's right. Yeah. Like, is your birthday March 12th or April 12th? Because I knew Bend was March 8th. Anyway, super fun. Uh, I've never been to Sunshine Cathedral. I can't wait to see it. Me All right. too. First up from Jay, pronouns he and him. Hi, AG and DG. I want to say thank you to you too. You don't know how much listening to you talk to each other and us has helped us over the last couple of years. It is not always about the politics, but how you respond to the pain and happiness around us with humor and kindness. The struggle has been real with my dad passing in 2022, followed by several other people I knew. By the time Queen Elizabeth died in September, I had attended three other funerals, and there were a couple of others I could not make it to because I was mentally or physically not able to. The only relief I had was the lack of guilt I had previously felt when my mom passed several years ago. I spoke to my dad every day, which was the one good thing that came out of COVID. I was so worried about his mental health that I decided to start calling every day just to say hello, if nothing else. So yes, it was almost two years after he left us and I'm mostly okay. However, I want to say that if you feel you are not speaking to your parents, brother, sister, etc. enough to pick up the phone, you can't go back in time. And the guilt I had following my mom's passing took years to get over. Anyway, change of subject. I no longer live in South Africa, which has... Uh, the some strange, which has some strange creatures to see, but I have found a picture online of one of the things that used <laughs> to scare the heck out of me. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> when I was a kid, these used to be found in our house constantly. <laughs> and my mother and I would cover them with our silver sweet dishes. So the lounge would often... <laughs> The lounge would often get two silver bowls randomly on the floor, awaiting some to, someone to remove them uh, outside. <laughs> uh, I doubt you've heard of them, but I'll let you guess. Oh, is that a Jerusalem cricket? It, it's definitely a cricket of some sort. It's 
it's got I've that shiny in my head, so I don't vomit. Have animated this thing and named it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, hello, my baby, hello, my yeah. honey, like that. Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> Send me a kiss by wire. Oh, their local name is Parktown Prawn, but they're called African King Crickets or Tusked King Crickets. Sorry oh, if I scared boy. you. <laughs> Have a wonderful. <laughs> it's got it's see through on the bottom, you guys. It's see through on the bottom. I can't. I gotta scroll. Oh yeah, look what's next. Ooh, ooh. Uh-huh. Take it, it's tiny. Thanks. Now for the palate cleanser from Dr. Yep. Crazy Cat Elder, she and they. Please enjoy this lemon freshened capybara. Yay. Uh, so cute. So cute. Uh, largest rodents it. ever. And mm-hmm. I love them. Okay, starting off with two pigs. This one's from Rhea. They, them pronouns. The German Bishops Conference last week decided unanimously to announce publicly that populist nationalism is incompatible with a Christian view of humanity. They said that voting for the AFD, which is extreme right German party, constitutes a negation of basic human values. The AFD is seeking to appeal to the Vatican, of course. I wonder how that's going to go. Thank you, Rhea, for bringing that to our attention. (laughs) Very cool. I wish we would do that here. I know, right? You want to take the next one, too? Sure. This is from Allison, pronoun she and her. Hello, lovely beans, queens. I'm so happy to have found your daily dose of news and swearing. I really appreciate the swears. Thank you for making the world brighter and more fabulous. You're fucking welcome, Allison. (laughs) I wanted to share something I'm grateful for every day. My sweet pup, Luna. Last summer, my family thought we were going to lose her when she had a medical episode that left her unable to walk. Mm. We scheduled in-home end-of-life services, but as the day approached, Luna started regaining mobility. I frantically called the veterinarian asking for advice. They came to my home, gave her a checkup, and told us sometimes old dogs have extreme vertigo and then completely recover. I'm so grateful for the wonderful folks at Lap of Love Hospice Pet Care and for my own good sense to delay euthanasia because I needed more time to say goodbye. Luna's doing great and just celebrated her sweet 16th birthday. I'm so grateful for this bonus time with her. And unfortunately, Luna's picture was, it wasn't able to load. So we don't have Allison's contact info. Allison, if you're listening to this, please send in a picture to Luna so we can get it into a future good news. Yes. Um, thank you very much. What a great story. Um, Absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. Uh, next up from AJ, not AG, AJ, pronouns they and them. I get my news from a lot of places, but I was only able to listen to your reporting on Next Benedict, as I knew I could trust you to to do it right. In gratitude, I wanted to share a wild but true good news story with you. The old snaggletooth man in the picture is Wendy. He moved from Israel to Chicago with my partner in 2013. He's an indoor-outdoor cat, pretty typical in Israel. And in 2015, he just didn't come home one night. My partner looked for him for weeks, but ultimately gave up, coming to terms with the fact that most likely something had happened to him. A few years later, she moved in with me, 12 miles across town from the neighborhood she and Wendy lived in. She would tell me stories about him sometimes, but I always just assumed he was gone. 12 miles across, okay. Well, flash forward to early 2023. This looks like how many years later? Eight years later? One evening, we're sitting on the couch watching TV and my partner gets an automated call. Says something about a cat being found. She laughs and, assuming it was a scam, says, sure, you found the cat I lost eight years ago and hung up. A few minutes later, a human from a local cat rescue calls back and confirms that, yes, indeed, they have found a cat with a chip and that chip is linked to my partner's cell phone number. Wow. Wendy was still alive. 
according to the cat rescue. He'd apparently moved in with a feral colony two blocks from my partner's old apartment and been living with them for years, even surviving some of our horrendously cold, negative 40 degree Fahrenheit winters. Wow. The cat rescue had done a trap neuter release near the colony and upon capturing Wendy realized he was chipped. At this point, Wendy was 16 years old who'd lived a tough life. And the cat rescue warned us that he hasn't responded very well to anesthesia. When we wanted to go see him, the cat rescue prepared my partner for the worst. He might never fully wake up from the medicine. And if he did, he might be too feral to come home with us. The best we could probably hope for would be a geriatric situation where we made him comfortable for a few more months. After this, they took us to go see him. And there he was, huddled in the back of the corner of his cage with the rescue people explaining that he was unresponsive to food, toys, etc. Undeterred, my partner walked into the room sees him, immediately says a few soothing things in Hebrew through tears, and suddenly he perked up, came to the front of the cage, and laid his head in her hand. Finally, someone was speaking his language. Well, fast forward again today. The 17-year-old Wendy is happy, albeit grumpy, member of our family, constantly guilt-tripping my partner and in order to get more wet food and sleeping on top of our feet every night. He spends every moment he can in my partner's lap, making up for lost time. Hope this story brings a little joy to your day. Mm, honey. Thanks for everything you do. Oh, I miss Bruce Willis. Oh, I'm so come sorry, home in seven years. <laughs> you never know. I mean, this story gives you hope, doesn't it? He's chipped. Right. Giving you a big hug, darling. Thank you. Absolutely. Ah, oh, this one's from Courtney, pronounced she and her. I'm sad about all the fuckery in the world, but I got my PSLF forgiven. $23,000 that I've been paying since 2008 that I'll never have to worry about again. Here are my fur babies. The cats are Oliver and Svinny, and the dog is Suku. She's a Shibu Inu and is the most dramatic petty girl, and I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look at these sweet babies. It is very sweet. That does look like a drama girl, by Uh the way that dog. Thank you, Courtney. All right. Uh, Don't use good yarn on bad conspiracies. Pronouns she and her. I just have to share with DG something that makes me smile every time I see it. I had just spent hours cleaning my kitchen and wanted to document the results of my efforts. Cleaning with a little one around is not the easiest thing. I no sooner turned my back to grab my phone and heard the clear sound of something cascading onto the floor. I turned back around to see this lovely mischief maker surrounded by the cat crunchers from the bowl that I had just filled. And she was so proud of herself. I just love that smile. Also, I've included some scarves that I recently finished for my oldest and some of her friends. I hope you like the colors. The kids are okay and give me hope. Thanks for all you do. Dana, look at the baby. No, I know. I've been looking at the baby, (laughs) filling up my little chest with happiness. Oh, look at these crocheted. Oh, my God. And listen, we know there's a good chance that baby puts some of the dog food in their mouth because who among us have not? Right. When we were children. You know. Oh, my God. That's adorable. And these scarves are beautiful with the little, are those, did you make those scarf holders too? The little cats? Those They're are just, fantastic. I need me some of that in my life. It's also a brilliant way to store scarves. I know. And the colors oh are beautiful, God. by the way. I love it. Okay, Janet, pronoun she and her, you will never know how many people you helped and how many lives you may have saved. I just know you have touched many people's hearts. For what the mutt, here's my good boy, Cooper. He's like, I'd like you to guess the breed. For bonus points, 
guess if the belly's a trap. I'm going to say the breed is a black cat. <laughs> uh, American <laughs> short hair. And I think the belly is definitely not a trap. A, I don't think it's what? a trap. Uh, I don't know. I Look at those eyes. He's like, all just right. trust me for a minute. <laughs> they all do that. All right, let's see. Whatever you said is correct. Excellent. He's a black cat and the belly is sometimes a trap and <laughs> oh. sometimes not. <laughs> we were half right. We were half right. No, we are 100% right. That's what I mean. We were 100% right. Yep. Uh-huh. Because sometimes it isn't. Sub- I said it was. You said it was. Or you said it was. I said it wasn't. So we are we are correct. <laughs> it's true. Just group Very dancing beautiful. Boy. We're so a team, cute. everyone. We're a team. Fuck yeah. That's fucking teamwork. All right. <laughs> Thank you all so much for sending these in. This is incredible. Did I ever tell you the story about I almost got to open for Tenacious D one time? No. <sighs> so cool. They were coming to House of Blues. My friend Tim Mays calls me up. He's like, do you want to open for Tenacious D? I'm like, oh, yeah. And uh, and then the night, uh, the day of the show comes and, and turns out they brought their own opening act that it was an honor to be nominated. Um, and, <laughs> and, and you know what? My life might be very different. If I might be. Thing. I might not be sitting here with you. Mm-hmm. You might not. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Send in your da- good news to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? Michigan's voting right now. Come on, Michigan. Oh, come on, Michigan. And come on. We need something with this immunity ruling. Let's do this. Oh, I'm going on vacation. I'm going on vacation, mm-hmm. Supreme Court. Should I email them? Hey, Scotus blog. I'm going on vacation. It's me, Allison. You know what you're supposed to do. Because I'm going on vacation. Now, I do want to tell everybody there will continue to be all the shows uh, during vacation. No, you know, not even pre-recorded interview content. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to do the news every day with Dana while I'm there. Uh, and so it's not really a vacation, but it is because I'm traveling. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's uh, that's my designation for the Supreme Court purposes. Um, and everybody will be back in your ears tomorrow. I appreciate you all. Also, there's a new episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45 tomorrow. You want to check that out with me and Pete Struck. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone in that family with you. Everybody. I've been EG. And I've been DG. And I'm Sabines. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone. This is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. 
mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dee Devontes, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that I'm right? Sorry. What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. 